Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I've just this second hung up uh the Zoom call. And I can't tell you, I am still buzzing. Um, band of Horses uh, are up there for me. I adore that band. Um, ben, Ben Bridewell, who is today's guest. Um, I think his voice is just unbelievable. Um, I got a bit, a bit starstruck when I was waiting for him to, 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 to show up. And when he did, he was so warm, kind, friendly, down to earth, uh engaging and we have a really lovely chat and uh and i think you're going to enjoy it he chose some incredible records which is no surprise um i get to ask him about possibly my my all-time favorite youtube video featuring two of my favorite ever artists and and the, the the response is beautiful and you can tell that what i got from that video was bang on because when he explains what was going through his mind getting this opportunity to do this incredible thing uh it's it's a it's a lovely part of the, the the discussion today um yeah before we get on with that uh big thanks to screwvious pip everyone at the distraction pieces network um huge thanks to 76 for producing this podcast the biggest thanks always go to use for supporting listening sharing retweeting just being really really kind about this podcast um if it weren't for use listening then uh you know, I don't think I'd get the opportunities to to have conversations like I've just had, which I'm, I promise you, I am absolutely on cloud nine at the moment, buzzing um, that I've just spoken to, to to Ben. So, look, I'll tell you what, let's just get on with it. Um, please enjoy uh, today's Off the Beaten Track podcast with the wonderful Ben Bridewell of Band of Horses. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us. But they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to 
get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. Joining me next to his upside down dog, sound asleep on the sofa. Ben, how you doing? I'm good, Stu. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. This damn, this dog. <laughs> I, I love it. They can, I think they can see her on the podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? I love it. <laughs> it's a hard life, man. It is a hard life being a dog. <laughs> it would seem so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, um, I'm going to kick things off. Uh, I, I, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Big question. Um, yeah. I had to really think on these a bit here. So um, in my opinion, the song with the greatest intro that I could think of, I mean, these things also, I got to tell you, Stu, these things change by the hour. Yeah, you know? of course. I mean, when you're a music fan, when you're a music freak, I mean, it's like, this is a conversation. So um, it's like we're out at the pub or something like that. And I, I would tell you something different tomorrow night. But tonight at the pub, you and I, I'm going to say that Living Thing by Electric Light Orchestra has the best intro. It's a glorious choice, mate. Challenge me. What do you got? I, ain't got, <laughs> no, I don't think, I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I'll, I'll be going like, oh, it, you know, it could be this, it could be this. And then... Like you say, like ten minutes later, something will come on the radio, and I go, "Man, that's the best fucking intro ever, ever!" Like, and it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just how it is, isn't it? And like, but and, and it's really weird. Like, every musician always says that this is the hardest question. This one. Oh, really? Mm. I mean, I, I was going to say "Band of Horses." Is there a ghost? But I had to go with. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one, mate. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, ELO. I mean, I I was lucky to um to to catch their music, um, I guess in my 20s or something, like mid-20s, I was working the door at a bar and there was a bartender that would play ELO records. And I I just fell in love, man. And I, and I didn't, you know, I thought sometimes a bit disco, sometimes a bit, you know, just a bit too much or something. But God, as, I, as I've ripened in my old age, um, I only got further and further into their catalog and uh, became a bigger fan. But that intro to Living Thing, it uh, that's that's my choice for sure. Well, in regards to intros and, and, and ELO being, you know, I guess classic examples of you know traditional songwriting style and you know big grand intros and things like that. When you approach songwriting, Ben, um, are you ever affected or influenced by the way that people are now starting to? you know how people get their music now by things like spotify and playlists where i imagine you know maybe more in mainstream pop music there's there's producers saying we need to trim a bit more fat off of that then that needs to be like you know straight in with the hook you know start with a chorus or does any of that kind of process of you know wanting to get on certain playlists or get on the radio and things like that does, does that ever find its way into your creative process you know Stu, if that were um something that i possessed I probably wouldn't get turned away at the grocery store for not having enough money. <laughs> so, no, I've never known what I'm doing. 
I, I stumble in, I stumbled into this line of work and I fumble um, constantly with every bit of the process. I, I never know what I'm doing except for I love music and uh, I can only do what I do naturally. Beautiful answer. For track two, I want you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yes, sir. Um, the first song I could, I could think of, you know, last night or tonight as we're at the pub. Um, uh, I was lucky to grow up with parents that listened to music all the time, like always had records on. Our doors were kept open as kids while we we're going to sleep. So I heard, I just heard so much music, man. And I remember hearing Stevie Wonder's I Ain't Gonna Stand For It. I mean, it's just ain't gonna, no, it's I ain't gonna stand for it. And I would later, you know, kind of realize that, oh, Stevie Wonder's doing like a country and Western kind of thing here. But at the time as a kid, I didn't know that kind of style of Stevie from a different style of Stevie Wonder. So um, it just sounded like, well, familiar, but... It's it's the that that song. If you listen to it, there are these changes in it, like these grand lifts of of you know chords and things like that. Of course, whatever, but just emotion and feeling that happen in there. That I remember just being elated and feeling lucky that um, I have the right parents. What sort of music was you, you know, aside from Stevie, what sort of records were being played at home? A ton of Steely Dan, uh, Ricky Lee Jones, uh, Otis Redding, James Brown, anything from the state of Georgia, honestly. Uh, um, Allman Brothers Band. Um, that kind of like classic, I guess it's like, you know, classified as classic rock now. Um, but damn, if I didn't hear every Steely Dan record front to back, I mean, like ad nauseum. And I mean, I'm looking now, uh, over your shoulder and the room you're in has got guitars everywhere. Um, aside from records being on at home, how, how much of a musical sort of household was it? Was there instruments laying around? Were people playing at home? Uh, there was one guitar that my dad had, um, and it was this awesome guitar that the, the factory had burnt down when his, his daddy had bought it for him on the way of it being shipped to his house. Um, the factory had burned down and the owner called my granddad and was like, can we get that guitar back? You know, and they realized like how um, rare these guitars are going to be. There was one guitar around. My daddy didn't really play it much. Um, he showed me like a Jimmy Reed blues chord you know, or blues riff or something like that. And said he used to be in a band and shit, but I never saw him play guitar good once. I've never seen that dude play guitar good once. <laughs> so, no, it's not like my house where there's just shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, and in regards to uh, the Stevie track, like if you had to pinpoint that emotion that it gave you, what would that have been? It's the lift. There's a lift. The, the song, like I, I was kind of saying, like it shifts into these, I don't know if it's called a modulation, you know, with music people or whatever, uh, it might be a modulation, but the, the chords shift and there's a lift in uh, spirit, a lift in spirit. Lovely, lovely. Now- 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Stay in the formative years for track three, Ben. And I'm going to ask yeah. you the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. This one was easy for me. Um, for me, the, the, the song that reminds me of the school days... And there weren't very many of them. I got to tell you, I, I dropped. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I'm good. I, I dipped in like my, I think I had like two ninth grades and I dipped in the middle of the second one. Um, so uh, I guess it's years over there in my ninth year. Um, I, I would go to school with um, two buddies, man. And um, my dude had like, my buddy Bo, he had this like hoopty, old like, cor. No, no, it was no. It was like a big ass Cadillac, dude, with like, um, with a drop top. And um, man, we were so lucky to pull up to school in that thing. We looked so rad, um, and we were like smoking weed, and we were already like bad. Um, but uh, we would listen to uh, Dinosaur Junior's record. Um, it's from the album Without a Sound, and the song is called Feel the Pain. Uh, it starts off the album um, with, it's, it's the first track, but it has this, um, like a wine cork popping. Um, and I swear, dude, even like my best friend Creighton, who plays drums in the horses, um, we met because we were at a party um, here in Charleston, South Carolina. We met at this party. We didn't know each other. But that damn song came on, and we heard that that cork popping, and we were both like, "Yes!" <laughs> at the same time, and I was like, "Brother!" We, we became, I think we were roommates within days. <laughs> so was was that around the time, like I, I guess, like Dinosaur Junior? And, and being from, uh, you know, you, you talk Georgia, like how much uh, impacted, like the kind of at that time the. I, I guess REM were arguably one of the biggest bands in the world at that point. You know, was that filtering through as well? Oh my goodness gracious, was it ever! My my, my brother's four years older than me, and he got me into like indie rock stuff. He got me into like Dinosaur Junior, Pavement, The Cure, Dead Kennedys. Like he got me into punk stuff, indie stuff. But he was sneaking out of the house, um, going to see REM shows when they were still like an underground band. Now by this point. REM is a massive fucking arena band, a stadium band. Um, 
And yeah, that, that, that influence was huge because in the South, in this corner of the, of the country, you don't get a lot of those huge touring or, or you don't get a lot of touring bands come through for one because we don't have a lot of major highways coming through unless you're in Atlanta. Um, for two, you don't have a lot of local bands that are going to break out and have huge success. The fact that, that REM did out of Athens, Georgia, I mean, it's still, I think those waves still have effect for, um, for all of us in the wake. When you, when you was at school, I know you said it weren't for you. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do with music uh, that presented itself as an option? In hindsight, now I can see the traces, um, but I was a I was a mixtape kid. I was always making mixtapes. Um, that was, and I thought that was my passion. So once I left school and you know became an adult and all that, um, I started a record label because that just seemed like the natural kind of trajectory. And I'm still lamenting it at times that I didn't become uh, more successful as a label guy. Okay, so. To, to then sort of go from sort of having a, a, a label and, and, and kind of being, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it sounds like he's a pretty cool guy rocking up in that car at school. That's, that's a solid look, that is. But, um, <laughs> but um, would you say, like, I mean, you know, obviously to see what you do now, would you say you was a, a confident young, young lad? Never have been. I mean, I've, I've done – I excelled sometimes at sports and shit like that. Um, always played sports. I was good at that, um, but I always got in trouble, so I could never like be on the varsity squad. And I had like purple hair and shit. I I, I started to to drift off from that, um, but I've never been very confident, honestly. Like I still don't find myself to be a very confident person. I don't like I don't like going places and shit and talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I love people so much. I'm just not very good at it. What about, aside from from confidence, what about drive? You've chosen a really difficult industry and you've carved out an incredible career for yourself. Like, would you say you're a a, a driven person? Well, a lot of that stems from having no education really to speak of or a lot of confidence to lean on. Um, I don't want to go back to work at the cafe. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to flip eggs anymore for a living. I'm sick of it. Yeah. So uh, then, then move on to having four daughters. It's like I better have some for some <laughs> sort of drive. Someone's got to pay for these damn girls. So um, <laughs> if anything, I'm fueled by fear. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Like, I, I, I think that's a very, a very working class thing that and and I think that's a very if you've had a humble upbringing and and you you know you theoretically work for yourself I think it's that fear of having to go back to do the things that working class people have to do you know and I do think that that fear is always ever present that at any given moment this could just stop and like absolutely do you know what I'm saying I absolutely agree and um and it's not that working class jobs are terrible. I mean, I've, I've cleaned toilets and, and nightclubs and shit. Like, uh, some of them can be fucking harrowing, obviously, but I, with, with them having children, there's no way that I could support them on that kind of lifestyle. So there is, if the, the drive I have is for my children and to, um, provide for them for sure. Okay. 
Let's last one in the formative years. I'm going to ask you, please, Ben, to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember this too. Actually, like, um, there's a shopping mall that we lived near when I was growing up, and um, in the shopping malls, they would have record stores in them. I'm not sure if they. I doubt they still do. Actually, um, I don't even know if there's shopping malls anymore in America. But um, yeah, and that great boom of excess that was um early 90s america i i got bell biv devoe's single uh entitled poison that's a big tune yeah it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is in uh, in uh, like, i live just outside of london and, and in london at the moment so many of the clubs are playing that kind of early 90s retrospective like R&B, all that Teddy Riley stuff, and, and, and it's huge at the moment. And, uh, and Poison's a straight-up killer tune. It really is. And, uh, I mean, never trust a big butt and a smile. That <laughs> lyric is so hilarious, for one. <laughs> but it's actually kind of been proven true as I've gone along. Um, <laughs> you got to be careful out there, y'all. <laughs> Um, just yeah. to sort of, I'll get back to record stores in a minute. But I'm always fascinated to to, to speak to musicians that, that have, have have done the kind of stuff that you, you you've done throughout your career. And touching on confidence and drive, I always like to talk about imposter syndrome. Oh and, yeah, and is that something? I'm I'm asking this because I I, I saw a video ages and ages ago. And, and I shared it to my buddies because uh, obviously we see that he's, he's, he's toured extensively with Pearl Jam uh, and it's the video of you going and, and singing um, Hunger Strike. Mm. And and I'm not suggesting that was an imposter syndrome moment at all. I'm not suggesting that. But I've never seen joy on anybody's face, like the joy that is on your face at that point. And it's so infectious, Ben. Like it, it, it just, it, let me just think, that looks like somebody that, Tell me if I'm wrong. Somebody listened to that song as a, you know, as a young man, and now he's up there doing it. Like, I mean, I mean, tell me, like, how was that moment for you? And and also, just have you got a relationship with imposter syndrome? Do you have it? Do you get it? Man, this is a great question, Stu. Um, God, if if Belvedere Devoe wasn't the first record I bought, it might have been that one, um, the Temple of the Dog record. I remember that song. I mean, I get chills right now thinking about it, dude. Um, the first job I had was um, babysitting these two little boys. I was like 13 or something like that. I remember that video was on, um, it was on MTV and watching it and being like, whoa, this is going to be fucking huge. Um, um, God, to do that, it took so much work, homie. Like I was, I was in the women's restroom um, of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we had like our own little wing of a backstage area or whatever, but there's like a men's and a women's. And I was, because we didn't have any ladies in the touring party, I was just in the women's restroom with my, you know, iPod or whatever the hell it was back then, listening to that song and trying to, um, trying to fathom how the hell I was going to pull that off. Because they asked me that day, I just got into the venue, you know, before our sound check or whatever, you know, the headline of band sound checks first. And once they're done, if you're lucky, you get a damn sound check. As we're walking into the damn Madison Square Garden, 
the tour manager's like, hey, do you know that song Hunger Strike? I'm like, yeah, of course I know that song. He's like, do you want to sing it with the band? I'm like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I'm still kind of like that about it, dude. Um, I was uh, I was shitting bullets, honestly, um, just trying to figure out how I was going to figure – how I was going to figure it out <laughs> and, uh, and not stare down at the lyrics and mess it up or mess up their damn moment. It's so terrifying. Now, as far as imposter syndrome, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell if I suffer from just that because I honestly can't tell if I just can't tell what I'm doing. I don't believe I've never known what I was, what I'm doing in this business. So I can't tell if I'm just lucky um, and grateful, and that leads to a bit of self-deprecation, or if imposter syndrome is a real thing. Either way, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. There's a sound bite for you there. <laughs> a pull quote or some shit, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's, let's just touch on record stores uh, one more time. Like, as... As you saw, you know, you said your brother started introducing you to like Dead Kennedys uh, and The Cure and, and and stuff like that. Did that then generate interest in, you know, in the local record store? Did that become a, a, an important place for you growing up? It absolutely did. And you know what? It wasn't so much my brother getting me into the indie stuff and the punk stuff. It was my dad. My dad always wanted to go to the record store when new stuff came out. So even as like a young kid. We were always going to the record store. It, I mean, more than the grocery store with his ass. Um, so I had an innate kind of, you know, like a, a master class in going to record stores since I was a nubber, you know, since I was a little, you know, fart dodger. Um, so uh, that was ingrained from, from, from a, a young age. And then as my brother did get me into stuff, well, then it's like I'm going to a different record store than my dad goes to because, you know, this record store has got, you know, the pavement stuff or, yeah. you know, you know, the, the, the SST stuff, the sub pop stuff, you know, um, the rough trade stuff, all that shit, man. Like it, I, I mean, I would buy compilation albums by based on record labels and shit, or I'd buy artists because they're on that label. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and nowadays, if you're on tour and you're in a new town, new city, and, you know, you go out for a walk, will you still go and kind of dig out a local record store? That's a tough one, Stu, because I want to buy records, and I don't want my records to get messed up. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm a bit of a, a nerd that way, or a bit, maybe I'm a bit like tight ass or something like that, but I don't like my records getting warped. Yeah. I've seen it happen too many times. Or I'm like, I can't let this record go, but I'm not also going to go find a damn, you know, shipping company to to send it home right now. Yeah, and I'm not going to be enough of a twat to ask the tour manager to help me, you know, find a shipping place. So I, I tend, I have to look away at times. Actually, yeah, okay, right. Track five, Ben, the song that soundtrack your time clubbing. Yes, and I could tell that. Uh, I was going to be talking with a, a gentleman from the UK when I got this question. I'm like, club? 
Well, it, do you know what, Ben? It's it's a weird one because, like, I, I guess in the UK that that generally has kind of connections to kind of raving in chrome-clad night spots. But it can be your local rock night. It can be in your, your, your indie pub. It can be anything. Like just them kind of formative years in you know in your teens when you find your tribe and you know and it's soundtracked. That kind of era is where I'm going, man. I certainly uh, shifted that way because I was. I mean, I've always been been a bit introverted um to where i wasn't like you know i was more working at clubs than i was going to them for you know pleasure um but it did remind me of this great track by this band called or an artist i believe called land of the loops and that song is called multi-family garage sale it reminded me of those times um living in seattle especially where um working clubs being at clubs where like dance nights are happening, whether it be bartending or, you know, being a bus boy or some shit, dish pit, all of it. Um, or door guy. Good God. I think I worked every damn job besides manager. Um, but so um, I, I couldn't help but be reminded of that, of that feeling. And when that, that record came out, land of the loops, it was a bit of an anomaly for, um, for up records again you know i'm like a at that time i'm also like just so like heavily like loyal to certain labels and up records to me was i mean it is still in such high regards as one of the coolest labels um out of the northwest of america um you know they, they put out the built spill stuff they put out the first modest mouse stuff so many great bands, but this Land of Loops thing was, um, it was an anomaly because it was electronic. And during those, during that time, a lot of electronic uh, based music didn't sound like that. And I don't think it still does. I think that, that damn song, if anybody wants to put that on, I think they'd be quite surprised at how cool it is. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'd never heard it before, Ben. And when I got your list, uh, I went and listened, and it's incredible. And it's isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of dancey, but it's not. And it's kind of lo-fi, but it's not. It's like yeah. it's really good, man. Yeah, thanks for listening to it. <laughs> 
That's so cool, man. I'm glad you got it. There's a there's an Australian band that I, I think they 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 ceased years and years ago that were called Girlin. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh-uh. Uh, and they kind of you could some of their stuff was G E R L I N G. And uh, and I stumbled across them with this crazy tune called "Death to the Apple Girls," which is kind of uh, a bit sort of a bit Dinosaur Junior, a bit Pavement, um, and and then the next track was called "Enter Time Capsule," and it was completely different, but it's got that feel to it. It's got like a lo-fi band messing around with electronics and and messing around with, I guess dance rhythms and stuff like that and yeah that's when i heard that i thought oh man that that reminds me of that and again that was probably 20 years old that that track now but i would definitely say yeah if you get uh, five minutes give it a listen ben i reckon you'll like it i certainly will i've written it down and um that's why things like these conversations are can be so not just helpful but important yeah. like uh you know growing up a mixtape kid and, you know, always seeing myself in that kind of like role, one word of mouth has always been to me the, the best way to learn about new music and yeah. new feelings through music. So I, I appreciate you telling me about it. Oh, mate, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm forever the mixtape guy as well, man. Like, Fuck absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell, bro. I can tell. Right, I'm taking you home for track six. Give me a favorite yeah. song from home, please. Yeah, and I couldn't tell if there was like a, a typo in the email. It's, it, was, it is county, Ben. Like, it is county? Yeah, yeah. But oh, then I, I guess oh. when we go stateside, it kind of, yeah, changes a little bit over I, there. But yeah. I thought it was a, a typo and uh, was meant to say country. Well, I've done okay. 350 episodes of this podcast, Ben, and you will be probably the 330th that presumed it was a typo and, and thought it was country. So you're in good company, mate. <laughs> Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Well, I've originally chosen um, Daniel Johnston's Life oh. in Vain. And I, I, I think the song is just so beautiful. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to at least get that out into the ether here. Because um, that song still shocks me to the core. Every time I hear it, I, it just it steams me up. But now, if I have to shift and pivot to county, man, there aren't a lot. So the only band from... Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm from, is Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the only band. Every kid in my high school had like a damn Hootie shirt on. And I mean, they all looked like lemmings in a way, you know, it's like everyone's buying into the same thing and no knock on Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, they've had a, an incredible career um, and continue to. Um, but I was one of those punk rock kids that's kind of like, ah, I'm good. I'm good on that, you know. Uh, that was around when like Dave Matthews was coming out and Blues Travelers, Candy Doctor. Crows, exactly. That stuff was, <laughs> but you know, uh, alternative radio was uh, at least getting a foothold in America. Um, but if I got to pick a Hootie track, I'll choose "Hold My Hand." That, that was like their, I think their first yeah. big hit over here. So if I'm sticking to the criteria, I'm choosing Hootie and the Blowfishes. Hold my hand. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Most of my own chagrin. <laughs> That's all right. You've already started the conversation with Daniel Johnson and what a beautiful human being. And he's at, you know, he's at pouring of work was just absolutely majestic. Right. Last track, Ben. Uh, yeah. This is when you get to be the mixtape guy and tastemaker and influencer. Uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Well, once I've, I kind of reckon that, 
uh, I've been speaking with, um, with, you know, a UK journalist. I was like, well, I couldn't help. My, my mind just went there. Um, thinking that maybe I, I, I don't know much about your listenership, but um, I would reckon there's a lot of heads out there from the UK. And if they don't know this track that Damon Albarn sings on um, of Tony Allen, that's the album. It's, it's Tony Allen's album. Um, and the track is called Go Back. And Damon sings the lead vocal. And he's just absolutely brilliant. It, I mean, Tony Allen is a drummer, like uh, kind of like, I think it's a, a lot of like African. He, 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 was, like he was Fela Kuti's drummer, wasn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that like he and Damon somehow hooked up, uh, and I don't know either of them, uh, but once I heard this track, I'm not, I can't remember who gave it to me, but I was just like, oh, this is my favorite track that Damon's ever sang on right now. And the fact that Tony Allen's just such an adept, incredible percussion master um, and the musicians that are playing with him, I mean, it's such a groovy track. Yeah, yeah, it's cracking. If you like that, Ben, I'm going to give you another just another one. I'm um, with you. Damon put a, a, a record out uh, under the guys Marley Music, M A L I. Oh yeah, Marley Music. Yeah, and there's a track on there called Sunset Coming Down. Oh man, that's a beautiful record. That is. I'm going to listen to that as soon as we get off the phone. Oh, it's good, man. It's good. Damon's from my hometown, so. Uh, He's, uh, they're, they're from my county, actually. So, uh, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're big champions of uh, the work of Damon and Blur and such over here. You all have uh, a very distinct uh, twang in your <laughs> delivery. <laughs> I find it very endearing. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, yeah. Well, look, uh, I'm aware that uh, time is tight today as, uh, as you've got plenty to, to, to be doing, uh, talking to other people. Um, before we go, I should also say that what we do, Ben, is we put together a little Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all your tracks so people can go and uh, explore all the songs that we spoke about and can go and get stuck into not just your choices but other records that we've, we've had a little natter about today. Um, wow, and- I just almost chose Neil Young last night too. We'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm sorry. That's good, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're we're, uh, we're kind of 2022's gathering a bit of pace, and hopefully we're seeing the world's going to be a far more connected and happier place this year. Um, ben, what are you looking forward to personally from the rest of this year, and what's going to be happening professionally? I'm looking forward to quite a bit. Um, I just recently got like my kids back in my house, staying overnight with me. That is a huge weight off my shoulders just to be with my children. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully people being responsible enough to not get one another sick so we can all get back to fucking touring and to feeling those good, big feelings again together. I'm looking forward to getting back to Europe and the UK, uh, hopefully uh, towards the end of the year now that we've had to reschedule. Um, I've only thought so much about your question about what i'm looking forward to was there another part of the question what's happening professionally oh fuck <laughs> who cares no, uh, oh, no i'm kidding uh thank you for asking um <laughs> i know you have to um, um so the yeah the boring part um no we have a new record 
And I, I actually am genuinely thrilled about the record and kind of feeling like there's like a chickens coming home to roost quality to this album that I'm really excited to share with people and get it off my damn back. Well, I'll, uh, we'll put some tasters uh, on the playlist as well so people can go and, uh, yeah, get a taste of it. Um, ben, honestly, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of your work and it's been an absolute joy to get to just come and, and chat and talk records with you, man. It's been a real Back privilege. You. Thank you, man. I'm, well, I'm now a big fan of your work, by the way. So uh, <laughs> we are now, uh, we're peers and we're friends. So Lovely. Thank you. Thank oh. you very much for the good chat. And thanks for like, reminded me about some of these songs that I've, I've, I haven't lost by the wayside, but I've, I've forgotten some of the, the timeline as yeah. I've gone. So thanks for the good reminder and, uh, and bringing up these other good tracks that I'll be listening to now. Oh, mate, it's been a pleasure. When you're in the UK next, Ben, I'm going to come and find you at a show and buy you a beer, brother. You better give me a big hug. <laughs> I'll do that, mate. You have a Thanks, lovely dude. day, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, brother. Say goodbye. She's saying goodbye as well. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, See you, Stu. Bye, Bye, Bye. Oh, man, there you go. <laughs> it's just amazing, man. I am still, still like absolutely buzzing that I've just had that chat. Um, yeah, what a super nice dude, man. Uh, so down to earth, just getting to, I had to ask him, I, you know, at first I thought, oh man, is it going to be weird if I ask him about being on stage with someone else's band? Uh, but honestly, if you've not seen, uh, Pearl Jam, uh, Ben Bridewell, um, Hunger Strike, just go on YouTube and watch it. I mean, also let's just, you know, not glaze over the fact that he's singing a vocal that was originally laid down by Chris Cornell. That's a hard vocal to get anywhere near. And when you see Ben unleash it, it's it's a thing of beauty. And the smile and the wide-eyed joy on his face. Oh, just go and watch it. I've got goosebumps telling you. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, yeah. If if you got 0.000% of the joy listening as I got having that conversation, you're still had a lovely, lovely time. Um, go check out the back catalogue if it's your first time listening. Uh, there's there's 350 episodes. Uh, great chats with some of your, your favourite musicians, comedians, uh, producers, uh, DJs. Oh, yeah. Go, go have a rummage. I, I, I need to, uh, yeah. I need to go and walk my dog and calm myself down because I'm literally uh, just beaming. Um, Thanks ever so much for listening, people. Um, Yeah, much love. Be nice to each other, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping.